We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What is finished is the idea that this great country is dedicated to the freedom and flourishing of every individual in it. It's the individual that's finished. It's the single solitary human being that's finished. It's every single one of you out there that's finished. Because this is no longer a nation of independent individuals. It's a nation of some 200-odd million transistorized, deodorized, whiter-than-white, steel-belted bodies, totally unnecessary as human beings and as replaceable as piston rods. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. You're listening to P.T. Pop on a mind revolution, leading you out of the rabbit hole. Hey there, everybody, it is P.T. Pop with all four lobes of my brain securely bound behind my back. And welcome back to another episode of A Mind Revolution, where I lead you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth at a time. And uh, today is going to be a short one because uh, I don't want to ramble on too much. I'm kind of a going to improvise this one, improvise a little bit here for you. Before um, I get to the main topic today, which is the CIA is everywhere, prove me wrong. I'm going to do some now, Yes, I'm going to promote something because I am a hypocrite because I'm also a capitalist. The hypocritical capitalist P.T. Pop. I spent the better part of uh, 2020 and 2021 making my first film, which was a documentary titled The Artist, a documentary. Very, very, very sexy title, isn't it? And this is a, um, a movie I wrote over the course of some time, and it was designed to give everybody an idea what it was like to be an artist. But basically... Um, the Artist is a, a documentary... That you know basically um, talks about the struggles of of starving artists, the struggles of fine artists, the struggles that they go through creating, trying to make ends meet, and it's for sale right now on Vimeo, and it's also for sale on my website. If you go to theartistadocumentary.com, you can find it there. And so there you have it. There is some of my shameless self-promotion. So, but basically, it's it's filmed in the thriving art community of Dayton, Ohio, and it explores the life of an artist through conversation with people, basically passionate about what it means to be an artist, the challenges they face in the digital age, and the importance of support from the, um, the art community. So there you have the artist of documentary. I'd appreciate your support. Go out and rent a copy for two ninety nine, or you can buy it for six ninety nine and have it for yourself to watch anytime you want to watch it. So there you have some. Now,
Yes. What would America be without shameless self-promotion? So today, I I have insinuated and I've come right out and said that I believe the CIA and very and a variety of factions of our government here in the United States control everything. And I've been very adamant about it, and I'm a, a strong believer of this. This is not conspiracy theory, and I'll prove to it. I'll prove you, prove it to you today. Now, I know you're all thinking, well, Pete, why do you think the government controls everything? You must be some type of paranoid nut. You might be crazy. You must be insane. You must be certifiably nuts. You need to be talking to Nurse Ratchet. And one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Well, I'd like to ter- talk to Nurse Ratchet, but it's not to have a counseling session, if you know what I mean. Um, I believe that we... As a culture, at the very least, I'm only speaking about the United States of America. I ain't speaking about Great Britain or France or Italy, though I'm sure you're all controlled too. I'm positive of it. And what our governments like to do is give us the illusion that we have freedom. But in actuality, they're manipulating us on every single turn, at every single turn, and every single day of our lives. And now they have their hooks into us with mobile devices like iPhones and Android devices and iPads and computers. We've become a zombie culture. And you're like, well, how can you say that, Pete? I have my freedom. I can get up and go go to work and do all this stuff. Well, what about all the things that you're addicted to? What about it? I mean, you're all addicted. Each of us are addicted to something, especially men. Men are addicted to booze or addicted to pornography or addicted to cigarettes we're addicted to power. We're addicted to all these things. But why? How did we get there? Why, why, why can't I walk away from my booze? Why are there so many goddamn drunks in this country? Why? Why do you think there's so many people that can't walk away from their vodka or their tequila or their, or their beer? Why do you suppose that is? Do you know when I was a kid? Now, I'm 55 years old. When I was a kid, I don't know the law, but there was a law that forbid whiskey to be advertised on television. There was a, it was forbidden. You could have, you know, up to a certain point, and then you know, at one point they had commercials for cigarettes. <coughs> Excuse me, let me. Now this is just coffee. Just coffee. <clears throat> but I had some dust in my throat or something. But at one point you couldn't, you could have cigarettes and whiskey on TV. You could have anything you wanted. And then somebody somewhere got. And their panties in a bind, and they went, oh, well, we can't have cigarettes on TV. So they stopped cigarette advertisement on TV. Then they stopped whiskey advertisements on TV. And But you could have beer. Hmm, I wonder why they could just have beer but not whiskey. See, in our culture here in the United States, you're not an alcoholic if you drink beer. It's, it, it's, a, it's just a social thing. I'm just having a beer, honey. I'm just having a beer when I cut the grass. I'm just having a beer when I paint the house. I'm just having a beer when I watch the the Browns game. I'm just having a beer when uh, I'm reading the paper. I'm just having a beer when I have breakfast. I'm just having a beer. And, and the wife or the, the significant other goes, oh, it's just a beer. He's just drinking beer. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just a beer. I wonder why beer is considered to be such kind of like a... It's a pussy drink, kind of like compared to whiskey. If you're drinking Jack Daniels, you're a hardcore drinker, my friend. Marlboro Reds and whiskey and tequila. And you're a knockdown, fallout drunk who's sitting on the curb, living in the barrio. You know, how did it get that way? How come beer is considered to be such a, 
Oh, it's just a fun drink. It's like Kool-Aid. It's just, you know, it's just a beer. It's fun. All the commercials are funny. All the commercials are cute. Beer commercials, beer commercials, beer commercials. They're everywhere. You know, um, I'm going to look up a couple things here that I just thought of about beer commercials. Now, they're all like, there's that one for Budweiser where it's it's a wide shot of like four palm trees and one of them lights up with Christmas lights on it. And it's, you know, a beer commercial for Budweiser. Hmm, and that's and, and that's a very vivid one. But they got the they've got the beer commercials for um I don't know what this guy is. Here's a bunch of beer commercials. Let, let me get through these. I'll turn this down here while they're going through the the advertisements for Ritz crackers and everything else with sexy women dancing around with Ritz cracker boxes. Three years and today's the day. A talking gorilla. Same Bud Light delivery guy takes the same route past us. Okay. You're the only one who can make the leap. Okay. Budweiser. You jump over, grab some Bud Light, and jump back. Okay. Now these are two gorillas talking to each other. You know, I I hear gorillas talking every day. This is just a common. This is so funny. This is so cute. It makes everybody want to go out and have a beer because it's so funny. Okay, here he comes. Okay, one, two. They're gonna three. attack the beer delivery guy with a. Two-wheeler fill of beer. And go. What'd you say? Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Oh, it's refreshingly smooth. Always worth it. Seriously. That's always worth it. So right there, they're they're come they're they're appealing to your sense of humor. They're appealing to your sensibilities. Always worth it. It's always worth it. What'd you say? Refreshingly smooth. Refreshingly smooth and always worth it. Oh. Bud Light. Always worth it. Seriously, what'd you say? His fortune cookies simply read, Congratulations. Skinny dipping was his idea. He can slam a revolving door. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dosakis. Mmm. I don't, this is this is the most one of the most popular ones. When I don't drink beer, I don't always do it, but when I do, I drink the seggies. And everybody just knows this guy, and they think, this is so funny. And everybody runs out, and they say this as they're drinking their Dos Equis. If you go to a party where they're serving Dos Equis, they talk like this, and it's a big, it's a big, oh, it's a, just uproariously funny. We don't want to see you back here again, Charlie. Don't worry. Let's not have a drink sometime. Now, this is Charlie Sheen who has a huge reputation for being a sot. He's a drunken sot. He's a he's an alcoholic and a drug addict and a booze hound. And I love the guy. I think he's a great actor and funny. And I'm not putting him down for being an alcoholic or whatever he happens to be. But they're using him in this commercial. And in this commercial, he's coming out of the California Rehab Clinic, getting to his car, and two doctors in white coats are saying goodbye to him. And he's watching two people drink beer on the corner here. And I think one of the women, the women drinking is, is pregnant. Yeah, she's pregnant. And drinking a beer.
So he's being tempted. He just got a rehab. He's being tempted constantly to drink a beer. Police are drinking beer. Construction people are drinking beer. Pregnant women are drinking beer. And he gets home from rehab, and all of his neighbors are in the front yard, and they're cheering him on with a beer in their hand. Now, this is sad to me. This is completely sad. This is a commercial for something called Bavarian Beer. I've never heard of this brand, but this is this is making fun of a man who just got out of rehab, who's being tempted, who's, who's, you know, if you know anything about going into rehab, my father was in it several times, and you get out, and the temptations must be immense, because most of the time my dad got out of rehab, and he was drunk within 24 hours, because he probably just sat in this asylum, basically, with other drunks, just counting the minutes down, and the seconds down until he could get out and get a drink, and this is, this is what they're making, they're making a joke out of this with Charlie, he's now drinking to celebrate his welcome home party from rehab. Bavarian, oh, I'm sorry, it's Bavarian zero alcohol any time of the day. Zero percent alcohol. So this is some type of beer without alcohol in it. But even so, it's pushing forward a bad message. It's saying it's tempting people who are addicts who are in recovery that it's okay to start with Bavarian if you like. If you're going to drink, if you're going to try to stay abstinent and and be and and do away with alcohol, you shouldn't even try to taste it because this will just give into the temptation. With zero alcohol, you're going to go to the real thing eventually. Hey, okay, right there, ready. <laughs> TJ, over here, little orange head, flavorful body. What the? What are you? So anyway, my question to you is: Okay, so why do they make beer to look look so appealing, so easy? It's funny. It's meant for parties. It's meant for good times. You drink it in college. You drink it in the bar. It's okay to drink and drive with beer because it's not considered something as as strong and as powerful as whiskey as Jack Daniels or you know the big whiskey brands or bourbon and things like that and vodka because allegedly beer is just you know it's just fun it's a soft it's a soft thing it's soft it's like a soft drink but it's just you know gives you a little buzz you know it's just fun hey we're having fun so I did some research on Anheuser-Busch and this is where I hopefully will get some of you to start listening you know if not the federal government listening to me, but but this. Okay, so Anheuser-Busch, I did some research. Now, Anheuser-Busch, Anheuser-Busch was founded in the 1850s, and I'm reading right from their website, anheuserbusch.com. It started a small neighborhood brewery through combined efforts of Eberhard Anheuser, Adolphus Busch, and thousands of employees, and the, their brewery quickly, quickly transformed from a local fixture to a national presence. Now, that's a very abbreviated and uh, romanticized version of going from rags to riches, but basically that's how it worked. And they did it for the love of lager. Just for the love of lager. And their marketing throughout the ages, they show that. If you go down, they show the different advertisements, the marketing campaigns. And if you go all the way back, you know, they show a beer bottle for Christmas, and then you've got a beer, somebody drinking beer dressed like a witch, Next to a jack o' lantern with a bottle of bottle bottle of Budweiser, and so it's seasonal. You can drink it at parties. Another one is uh, 
you know, it, it's meant for fun. Beer is for fun. It's, it, they've, they've marketed it and for century, for over a century now, they've marketed it. Marketed beer is a fun social drink. You go out with your friends, you drink it, you can go to parties, you drink it, at the, you know, you drink it at holidays, you put on a Halloween mask, you're having fun, you're getting, you're getting a good time. So I did some research, further research, and I wanted to find out who the chief executive officer of Anheuser-Busch was. And I looked around, looked around, and I go, where, where is that? Where is this guy's profile? And I found out that, that the CEO of Anheuser-Busch recently became a gentleman by the name of Brendan Whitworth. And this is dated June 28th of 2021. Anheuser-Busch announced today that Brendan Whitworth will be appointed Zone President, North America, and Chief Executive Officer of Anheuser-Busch, effective July 1st, 2021. So this just happened a little over a month ago. Whitworth presently serves as the company's U.S. Chief Sales Officer and has held various commercial leadership positions in the U.S. for the last eight years. He succeeds Michael Dukaris, who is transitioning to the role of global CEO and uh, AB InBev, also effective July 2021. So I, I wanted to find out more about this guy. And what it says is he wants to improve U.S. top-line revenue trend by 2.8 percentage points. Um, he's basically been brought on to increase sales, was what it looks like. And he's already been associated. So I, I looked his, in his LinkedIn profile up. Guess where this guy used to work? Well, in 1998 to 2001, he was the first lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps. He managed company operational readiness through the development of occupational training programs, scheduling, mentoring, logistical planning, and the allocation of human resources Served as a primary advisor for operational and personnel-related matters to commanding officer for a company of over 200 Marines, led a platoon of over 70 Marines, and managed a staff of eight senior commissioned officers, awarded Navy Achievement Medal for exceptional service and performance. Okay, so he said he was he was logistical planning and the allocation of human resources. So he basically sounds like he, you know, he pushed a bunch of Marines around and told them where to go and what to do and where to send their supplies and stuff. Okay, so then after that, after 2001, he jumps from the United States Marine Corps into, guess where? Guess where he went? The Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA. He was the Operation Officer, Counterterrorism Center, Clandestine Service. This gentleman, clandestine service to me means spy. I could be wrong. Mr. Whitworth, I'm sorry if I'm uh, categorizing you or putting in the wrong category, but basically you were a spy for the CIA. From 2001 to 2006, for five years, he worked in Washington, D.C., Pakistan, Tunisia, and Iraq. Now listen to this. He specialized in the recruitment and handling of human sources with access to vital intelligence that prevented and disrupted terrorist threats. Hmm. 
partnered with other government agencies and military units in the conduct of direct action missions that led to the elimination of known terrorist elements. So he was out killing terrorists or played some part in their elimination. They call it elimination, but it's another word for killing. Managed relationships with counterparts from allied governments in pursuit of mutual policy interests. So <laughs> that's, that's such a nice way of putting that he managed relationships with our allies, um, probably capitalistic allies such as UK and, and Saudi Arabia and Israel in pursuit of mutual policy interests. In other words, in other words the globalization of capitalism and to take over the world, the opium fields in Afghanistan and the oil fields in Iraq and everything else. Mastered Arabic language and achieved four-level near-active proficiency. So this dude allegedly just jumped from the Marines into the CIA, learned Arabic in five years, and was over there basically working with terrorists. I, I'm guessing what it says. I'm reading between the lines here. He prevented and just, well, he, he, uh, he, handling of human resources, the handling of people with access to vital intelligence so he specialized in the recruitment of handling human resources with access to vital intelligence. So he, he recruited people who had access to classified intelligence or secrets, government secrets or world secrets that prevented and disrupted terrorist threats. So I'm guessing something to do with torture, something to do with people that knew something about what was about to happen allegedly waterboarding i don't know i don't know if he had any hands in that stuff but he was he he played a part in all this stuff so he's he was a spy clandestine service operations officer counterterrorism center clandestine service and now he goes from that in 2006 to anheuser-busch who were from the cia now, that's the next thing on his, his resume is this is Anheuser-Busch. He doesn't see what he did between 2006 and 2013, but in 2013, he just all of a sudden became the global sales route to market and wholesale management for Anheuser-Busch, greater New York City area. Then in 2014, he became the global vice president. So in three years, he went from a director of sales to the global vice president of technical sales and in 2015, Vice President of Northeast Region. <laughs> in less than a year, he became the, the, the Vice President of the entire region, the, North, the, the Northeast Region. Then in less than a year, he became the U.S. Chief Sales Officer. So in, in just four years with Anheuser-Busch, he went from the Global Director of Sales all the way to the U.S. Chief Sales Officer. And he stayed there for three years and nine months now he's the president of North America Zone, president and CEO of Nor president and CEO of North America Zone, Anheuser Busch. Now I have nothing against you, um, Mr. Whitworth, or your service to our country, or your service in any way, shape, or form. But my question is, and as I've said in my podcast, why is the CIA woven into the fabric of most of corporate America? and our media. Now, I don't know this verbatim for, for a fact, but I can almost bet your bottom dollar that they've got a gentleman from the CIA who's 
experienced in spy activity, who's experienced in, what did they call it? Clandestine services. So they can utilize his services to manipulate people's minds to buy more beer and to infiltrate more of the United States in the global market, even though he's only in charge of the North America zone. He's, he's there to increase sales. He's there to manipulate people, to, try to, to, to use psyops on people's brains to get them to drink and guzzle more beer, which creates more alcoholics, which creates more problems in the community, which creates more zombies. More zombies means less dissension. Less dissension means more government control. Man, this isn't, this isn't uh, rocket science, guys. And they're basically putting it there right in front of your face saying, hello, we've got the CIA at the helm of this major corporation in the country. And, and don't tell me he's, oh, he's no longer with the CIA. These guys just don't, you just don't graduate from the CIA and just you wipe your hands of it and it's done. There's strategic reasons why they have people of his prestige and his status working in corporate America because they want your mind. They want your soul. They want a bunch of drunken zombies as I said in other podcasts, our military at one point was occupying Afghanistan, which has the largest poppy fields in the world, the pop, largest poppy crop, and poppies make heroin. And nobody else seems to see the correlation between us controlling the poppy fields and the increase in heroin usage in the United States right after we went into Afghanistan. As I said in other pop in other podcasts, heroin was a drug that very few people used in the old days. When I was a kid growing up, the only people that used heroin were the stars. The rock stars were all hopped up on it, and the actors and actresses and rock stars, and they were all dying from it and you know killing themselves over it. Now all of a sudden, you can have access to you can just probably walk out in suburban America and buy it from your neighbor. I don't know how easy it is to get to because I'm not a heroin addict. So, you know, my point isn't to put this man down. My point is to point is is to educate you, to show you that they're basically shoving it in our faces, saying, "Hey, look, we got the CIA at the top of this company." I bet you, if I started doing some research in other major corporations, like App, I can't. You know, I'm not saying this is a fact, but Apple, Microsoft, they all use psyops. They all use psychology they have psychologists and people on staff that learn how to manipulate people's minds but this anheuser-busch all the whiskey and the beer companies are basically legalized drug companies and anheuser-busch i don't have the numbers but i can tell you here how many uh, alcoholics are in america right now now this is a stack from a uh, stat from project no for uh, projectno.com says right here, now, I don't know what the year of this is. This is probably within the last five years. says here that unfortunately more than several, 7% of American population aged 18 and up, 18 and up have a drinking problem. This is nearly 13.8 million Americans and 8.1 million of them are alcoholic. Based on these numbers, it is clear that alcoholism and alcohol abuse are serious problems that affect many people. I, I beg to differ. I say the numbers are far higher because i can tell you right now i know I, i'd say every other person i know has an addiction to, to alcohol or beer it's the same difference i mean alcohol that's what they, they want you to think that alcohol isn't beer 
They want you to, it's fun. Beer is fun. It's for, for good times. It's for parties. It's for cutting the grass. It's for, you know, watching the kids play at the pool. It's just for fun. Hey, 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 hey. Alcoholism is a serious, serious disease in this country. In this uh, story, in this article, I'm sorry, from American Addic Addiction Centers, it says in the United States, nearly 14 million adults or every one in 13 adults abuse alcohol or have an alcoholism problem. I say those numbers are, are being very, very kind. I mean, I was in a fraternity with like 33 guys. And I can honestly say I think about three quarters of the guys in that house were drunk all the time or drinking all the time or smoking dope. And, and they were 18, 19, 20 years old, you know. I know I know guys that started drinking when they were 8, 9, and 10 because their things are so bad at home and their parents were alcoholics. The number of Americans aged 17 and younger involved in heavy alcohol, it says here, dropped by two-thirds between 1985 and 97, although this number has continued to decline. Underage consumption is still a problem in the United States. I mean, I don't know how you'd even track that, how I know it's on a decline. And it says here that in 2009, nearly 51% of American adults were current regular drinkers. So what I'm saying to you is, is that there's a reason why they put people like Mr. Whitworth in positions of power over major companies that sell booze because they want you drunk. They want you indifferent. They want you passive. They don't want any fight in you. Now, I know a lot of people that drink I know a lot of people that drink get very violent when they drink, but most people I know just kind of chill out and they pass out on the couch and that's it. They don't want any fighting you. They don't want dissension. They don't want you angry with the government. They want you to do what you're told and that's it. And they put slick guys like Mr. Whitworth at the helm so he can come up with other schemes to keep you incapacitated, to keep you numb, to keep you all like a bunch of zombies. They can create cute commercials and advertising campaigns to keep you bedazzled. Isn't that funny? Oh, two, two gorillas talking to each other about attacking the Anheuser Bush guy. That's so funny. Let's go have a beer, Bob. They appeal to your, your childhood. They appeal to your, your child, uh, childlike sensibilities. They appeal to your sense of humor. They appeal to sex. They got all these tools and irons in the fire to get you, and they're using men like this to manipulate you every single time you see a commercial, every time you walk on the store, the colors they use in the packaging, the, the font they use to, to write the name of their beer. It's all, it's all um, branded into your brain, so seared into your brain, so you won't forget Budweiser or Bush or Anheuser, whatever it happens to be. Maybe I'm wrong, but think about it. Why is everybody in this country so passive? It's filled with a bunch of pacifists. We're, nobody has any fight in them. I mean, look, everybody are fighting. We're fighting each other. We, have you ever seen two dogs? I've got two dogs. And we're walking them on a leash, and they both see a squirrel. They can't get to the squirrel because we've got them on leashes. But because they can't attack what they want to attack. They can't go over the prey that they want to go after and eat. 
they start to attack each other and they raise up on their back legs and they wrap their front legs around each other and they start biting each other and they're, they're snarling and they're barking and they're biting each other in the face and they're, ah, because they can't get to what they want to get to. That's exactly what the government is doing to us and every other government is doing around the world. They've got us fighting at each other. They've got each of us at each other's throats. They've got us divided in this country by race and by sex and sexuality. They've got us divided by political parties. They've got us at each other's throats because they're distracting us from who the real terrorists are. And who do you think the real terrorist is? They're sitting in the White House. They're sitting in Congress. These aren't people that have our best interests at mind and heart. They've had us at war now for 20 years in countries we have no business being in anymore. They told us years ago that when they got Bin Laden, that would be it. Our goal and our, our goal was to stop the terrorists, and Bin Laden was the head of the snake, and they were going to get him. Well, they got Bin Laden in like 2010, and we stayed in that country until just recently in Afghanistan. We have systematically gone through and killed two leaders. We have assassinated Bin Laden. We assassinated Gaddafi. We, well, we didn't assassinate him, but we assassinated... Um, Gaddafi was the uh, Libyan leader. He's gone. And Saddam Hussein. We've, we've put these people in power. They, do, they don't do what they're supposed to do, as they're told. And then we, go, we have to take our armies in and assassinate them and kill them. I, you know, guys, this this is more than apparent that this is what's going on out there. It's it's so obvious, but most of us have given up because we're 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 hopped up on beer. I mean, for those of you that aren't alcoholics, I don't even know what the numbers are of people being hopped up in heroin and, and pain kill pain pills. I mean, it's it's, it's the you know if you figure if thirteen percent of the population is hopped up on booze, there's got to be another thirteen to twenty percent hopped up on pills. So a quarter of the country are addicts, and they and think about it, a quarter of the country of addicts, the residual effects on the families of those people is destroying the fabric of America, it's destroying the infrastructure. They're killing us from within. No foreign, no foreign country would have to fire a shot to take over this country. Whoever is, is behind this is attempting to disintegrate the fabric of this country through inner turmoil. They're laying, they're laying us, they're letting us walk in a quicksand. We're all killing ourselves, and they, they just take over. They put their socialistic ways in, or their communist ways. And I bet you, all these things I heard as a kid. When I was a kid, it was the Russians and the communists were the enemy. They, they pounded that into your head. Brezhnev and all these other people that were in charge when I was a kid, and we were all like, okay, whatever, whatever. And then there was all these things about McCarthyism that the communists had already infiltrated our government. I think it happened. I think it really happened. And most of us were like, oh, that can't happen. That's not going to happen. Well, what do you do? You, you, you get a communist who doesn't like capitalism, who's from Russia, or some satellite country that speaks English really well with a good American accent. You weave him into the fabric of the government and the media, and he's a communist or he's a government agent from another country, and you start to control the media. You control the corporations. You control everything. I mean, look at these corporations. They run everything in this country. They've got every politician in their back pocket. They're, every politician is bought and paid for. And the ones that aren't, are, aren't bought and paid for are being blackmailed by people like Epstein who got pictures of them with underage girls or boys. I hate to sound fatalistic, man, but look at our society. It's falling apart, and now they're trying to tell us that 
this this pandemic is real. That this this I'm gonna wear masks, and now we're gonna have to have IDs. And people are like, okay, whatever. This this will keep Joe Schmo next door from getting sick, or my daughter from dying from it. Look, we've now been in this pandemic for almost two years. I know four people that have had it. I my friend's husband died a few months ago. And they put on his death certificate that he died of COVID, but he didn't. He died of a, a coronary. He he was morbidly obese, and he had um, a heart condition already. And she said, Pete, I, I can't believe they did that. I mean, I met with her, and she said, you know, that's not what happened, but what am I going to do about it? I have another friend who allegedly had COVID, and then he got blood clots, and he almost died, but then he came out of it. He was on, he was about to die, and we were all praying around his bed, and the next day he woke up and said he wanted ice cream and pizza. And he's been fine since. And even he says he's not certain what he really had. Even he says he wouldn't get vaccinated. He's still, he's still anti-vaccination. I know two other people that had it and just had mild symptoms. And and I just uh, I just can't believe it that I don't know what they're trying to get at, but these masks I can't see how these masks are preventing anything. But but hey, if you want to believe that this little flimsy mask in your face is protecting you from something that got out of a top secure lab in China allegedly and ate its way through whatever and got on the bottom of somebody's shoe and and, and it somehow exploded worldwide and. Just one little, you know, just like in a movie. They're see, they're trying to appeal to the Hollywood movie side of your brain, just like it's the Andromeda strain or something, and it, it's it's all Hollywood, and it just it, somebody spilled some of it on their shoe, and it, they walked out in the parking lot and got in their Chevy, and they drove off into the, the landscape of China, and uh, or their 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 China car was Chinese car a Neo, and it just spread, and you know. <sighs> And then it somehow got on a cargo container, went across the, the ocean and came to America and went to Great Britain and it spread like wildfire. Yeah. I personally think I had something like COVID several years ago. I had some type of flu in 2018 that I thought I was going to die. I was laying in bed saying, God, just take me. This is awful. I, you know, I thought I was ready to go. I made peace with my maker and I said, this must be it. But I got better. My father-in-law and my uh, wife both got sick months before COVID was even known. And they both, my father-in-law thought he was going to die. I don't know, you know, you've got to ask yourself a question. Who, what, when, where, and why, and how? How do you get out of this rabbit hole? Well, start looking at the facts. The facts are you're being lied to on a constant basis in just about every way, shape, and form. And it's time that you turned off your TV, you turned off your internet, you stop looking at all the news media, you stop watching all the advertisements, and stop. You start start trying to live a quieter life. I'm not saying go off the grid, but you don't need half the shit you look at. You don't need half the things you drink. You don't need to have a beer every night. They this they tell you you need a beer, but why do you need a beer? Because they want you to have a beer, not because you really want it. They've they've manipulated you through using psyops like this Mr. Wetworth uses and has taught his people how to use and his marketing and advertising people to spread the word of Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch or whatever the hell it is. That's all there is to it, man. 
it's pretty simple. And they're just waving it in your face. Now, hey, look, CIA's at the top of Bush, top of Anheuser. Huh, what are you going to do about it? Huh, not, not much. I mean, doesn't don't any of you ever wonder why you can't look away from your phones? Don't you ever wonder why you look at your phone and you, you're in a hypnotic trance? You don't wonder why? It's not natural, it, but it's designed to do that to you. It's designed to, to pull you in. Like a digital vortex is designed to put you in a trance. And I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't even look at it anymore. It's horrible. There's nothing to look at. I spend hours looking at this YouTube channel, and there's nothing on YouTube anymore that's really interesting. It's all bullshit. It's all like, you know, oh, let's see this puppy uh, attack an alligator and win. You know, oh, okay. Oh, see this guy strike somebody out. Uh, and the Yankees versus the Rockets, you know, not the Rockets, but the the Astros. There's nothing to look at. It's all garbage. But you're looking at it because they've designed it in such a way that it makes it hypnotic. But I'll leave it there. You know, I don't know. There's not much else I can say about it. But you got to ask yourself why. Why is a former CIA spy at the head of Anheuser-Busch? Why? Well, this seems pretty simple to me. It's not like the guy needed a job. They want you drunk. They want you numb. They want a country of pacified zombies that will do what they're told without having to put people in concentration camps, without having to chop people's heads off or feed them to the lions. They want you all submissive. They want you to be their bitches. And go to war when they tell me to go to war and jump. And you say how high when they tell you to jump. Yes, master, no master. This isn't a black and white thing or Asian. This is all of us. Regardless of the color of our skin or our nationality or our sexuality. They don't care. They proved that to us in 9-11. They don't care. They'll take down 3,000 people and knock down buildings with explosives like they did with Building 7 and expect us all to go, oh, okay. I guess we were attacked by unintelligent terrorists with box cutters and they somehow knew how to fly really fancy, expensive, you know, elaborate aircraft into buildings far beyond what an airplane can travel at uh, sea level into buildings without crashing them. They did it on one try. I don't know, guys. <laughs> but but you're going to believe what you want to believe. You're going to live a life. You want to live just as long as you have your cigarettes and you have your beer and you have your wine, you have your porno. It's it's all designed to control you. PT Pop, all four loaves of my brain secured behind my back. Trying to lead you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth at a time. Have a good night. Bye. Talking with Larry King. Telling you what to do. You have been listening to PT Pop, a mind revolution, leading you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth you. at a time. Don't wait, you might not have another day. Tomorrow's much too late for someone else to show you the way. You've been praying for your Savior, sitting on a cloud in the sky.